Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Welcome to the Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from other high-quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alice from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co-hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts. The That's most right. delayed hayo. Well, that was my Alex Casanova smokers hayo voice. Yeah, I had to get that hayo <laughs> out. I mean, we're gonna jump right into this episode, but real quick, I, I, I noticed uh, last time that we were recording, I would do like our whole intro, but I, like we have that beautiful intro done for us. There's no need to go through. Like they know who the fuck we are, Paul. Like. It's in my head, like we should just get right into it, and this is the perfect week to do it because we've got Justin Largen. He's uh, an, an excellent angler, um, well, kayak guy, making huge moves. Time's out. Why are Time's you timing out. me out already? Time's out. We we still have to do our little banter back and forth about stuff like you missed last week. You left me hanging after I thought you were going to be back. Um, so so one, so, you're, you're right. I mean, we we so, do need to cover that. Somehow, Paul has this, like, magic, I don't know what it is, when I've got, like, you know, everybody has, like, their echelon of guests, right? And uh, Greg Blanchard was definitely at the top of our list. And um, we had him on. Paul did really good work to ensure that I was going to be home in time to do the Greg Blanchard interview. And then the kids, of course, came down with a 24-hour bug. My wife had to go to a work meeting. The kids are literally vomiting all over the house. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to happen. And, of course, it's when we have Greg on. So, yep, nope, I missed last week. Uh, I apologize. No, I don't apologize to any of you listeners. I apologize to myself for missing out on well, that. But I don't know. You obviously didn't listen to the episode because I let it off with that you quit. <laughs> Okay, you can carry on. Carry on now. On that yeah. note, we've got Justin uh, Largen on this week. Justin, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good. No complaints at all. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, we've done the whole pre-scripting. Justin's all ready for this. Uh, we're ready to go hardcore, controversial, bass fishing. I'm just joking. None of that. We're, <laughs> we're going to sit around. We're going to bullshit about fishing. Yeah, we. There ain't me and Alex don't know enough stuff. To, to be controversial about nothing. <laughs> I mean, we look, we we here we here to talk about fishing and whatever makes you tick. I mean, that's that easy. So, so Justin, uh, for our viewers, just in case they don't know you, why don't you uh, start off and uh, tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, name's Justin. I'm uh, I'm basically just kind of uh, what, what what were we talking about? Uh, 
a degenerate. Is that the word we, yeah. <laughs> we use? <laughs> the fishing fishing degenerate. degenerate. Um, I've been kayak fishing for about 10 years now. Um, mm. I think I got, mm. got started watching Chad Hoover and Jeff Little, some of the, the content they were putting out back in the day. And at the time, um, you know, I was, I was fishing a lot of small little bodies of water and, um, I had a, a Bass Pro Shops Pond Prowler. That was my first boat. And I <laughs> yes. swear, I loved it when I got it. And, uh, it, I mean, getting off the bank was was so cool to me. You know, I was I was probably a year or so out of college. And, you know, just being off the bank and kind of out getting hit spots, um, I loved it. But then once I got that first kayak, um, I think I went a whole year and kind of, you know, what went back and was kind of looking at, well, shoot, when was the last time I got in that, that, you know, plastic John boat? And it had been, it had been over a year. And I was like, you know, what? I don't think I'm going to get back in it. And uh, I've just kind of been, been in love with kayak fishing since. Um, now, real quick. It, so you're in Virginia now. Did you mm -hmm. start kayaking in the Virginia area? Yeah, I was, uh, I'm in Roanoke now, uh, kind of the Southwest part of the state. Um, when I got into it at the time, I was living in Northern Virginia, working in DC. Um, so I fished a lot of uh, Northern Virginia stuff. I I got to really like the Potomac. Um, there, mm. There's a bunch of small uh, small lakes. Virginia has some really good state parks, um, kind of all over, and some um, you know, like county and city little municipal parks that some places mm -hmm. that don't get a lot of pressure. And that was kind of that was the stuff I like to go to. I like to go. Mm way back up in a creek somewhere where i know the bass boats you know they can't get over the mud flat um or just these little ponds where th there was one of them i can't even remember the name of the pond but you'd have to there was a big 30-foot dam and it had a little paved path that goes across it and you you drag the boat you know on the cart <laughs> and it, it had to be like a half mile up this incline and but not many people were willing to do that so it was pretty good fishing mm-hmm but yeah, I, I was uh, Northern Virginia area and, you know, working up there, I had a, uh, I guess you call it a quasi government job. I did uh, armed security for 14 years, kind of worked my way from entry level, standing a post up to a, a management gig. Um, and then I, I got to a point where I, I got asked to uh, position out on the, the West coast. I spent a year, year and a half in California. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until I guess it would have been 2020, late in 2020, um, I left that job. And uh, I've kind of focused on the fishing since then. I Fortunately, it was a you know, good paying gig and I had had a chance to save a, a good bit of money. Um, so kind of the last two years, I've been chasing these kayak tournaments all over the place. So it did was, you do any did you do any kayak fishing while you're out in California? I did um, okay. a lot less than I would have liked to. I was in <laughs> Los Angeles area. And okay. There are some places around there you can go, yeah. but um, you got to drive. Like yeah. I, the Delta was about, I can't remember if it was five or six hours. Like Oof. it was enough to where it was tough to do that on a weekend. Um, mm -hmm. I only got up there a couple times. And then Clear Lake was kind of the other, you know, one that I really wanted to get to. And, I didn't actually make it up there until I actually left the job. And um, I kind of planned this sort of cost country trip, doing some sightseeing mm. and photography. And part of that was I'm going to Clear Lake. I, I forget how long it took to get up there, but 
Uh, man, if you're ever out, out on the West Coast, the Delta and, and Clear Lake, uh, man, they're, they're special. Delta is one of those like bucket list spots for me. And I feel bad because I just, I think the Delta was only like two hours from the Bay Area where I just left from, but because I didn't have a fucking car, um, mm. I couldn't make it to it, uh, which is that so sucks. disappointing. Um, that's one of those special spots. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it reminded me a little bit of the Potomac, uh, a lot mm. of the Potomac, There's a lot of grass. Um, Potomac, I love that, that style of fishing. Um, the difference tidal is, waters. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I mean, tidal, tidal water. A lot of people don't like it, but it's fun. Man, when you find them and figure something out and you're just in the right spot, it's just boom, boom, boom. I mean, it's, it, it happens quick. Like, uh, like, like, like fishing is tough enough. I, I feel like, but I feel like the guys who like tidal, I, I'm one of those. I like tidal. Like it, you're a special kind of stupid because like fishing can be tough enough to figure out where they're at. But now you've got this whole other, this whole other variable that throws everything off. And but you're absolutely right. Like when it when it's fire and it's on point, it is insane. But then you can try to run that same pattern the next day, and it'll never work just yeah. due to the tide shift. And I I love tidal bass fishing. That's like my favorite. I I mean I I'm right there with you. I mean I've I've had days where everything if you have every every piece of the puzzle figured out. It's just the timing's off. It's like yeah. you're in the right area, the right fish are there, and it's just if you're not at the right feeding window, you catch nothing, and you you feel like you you know you have no idea what you're doing. But <laughs> I, I had a tournament a couple of years ago where I think it was in the last five minutes I put you know I had maybe two on the board and I caught three in literally like the last five minutes just mm. cast in on the board, measure back in on the board. I mean. Just boom, boom, boom. And, you know, after after spending hours in the same area going up and down that same flat with nothing, it's, uh, yeah, title, title's fun. But California, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the lake now. It was about 45 minutes away. Um, Castaic Lagoon was. Okay. Uh, heard of Castaic. That's where um, oh, how, my brain is not not working. I'm blanking on uh, on the gentleman's name, but. Uh, not Bobby Barrett, big swim bait guy. Um, Mike was, Jones. No, he was on the forefront of the uh, when the. God, my brain is not working at all. He's big on depths. He was working with depths. Um, oh I yeah, I know. Oh. I can't think his name. Look, but just that, go listen to Casting Crank because I know he's had him yeah. on here recently. Yeah. I know who you're talking about, but I can't think of it either. But it's not because my brain's not working. It's just I'm a damn idiot. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> but, but I, Alex an idiot too. So this is a podcast of the, the three idiots. Uh, this, this is going to be wonderful. But they um, that lake, when I got there, I think it was kind of after the heyday. Um, mm -hmm. I talked to some locals and they, I guess they had stopped stocking trout maybe 10 years mm. prior. And when they did that, you went from seeing these teener fish uh, fairly routinely to people catch tens. I didn't, uh, but every <laughs> once in a while, somebody, somebody uh, put up a 10. Um, this lake I, sucks. We're only catching 10 pounders now. I mean, no. what a trash ass lake. It was still um, <laughs> for me coming from Virginia. I mean, there's some big fish here. Don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, I, I probably had a little bit too high expectations for, for what I was going to find out there, 
but I, I mean, they were, I caught quite a few for the number of times that I was out there. Um, a lot of five to seven pound fish. Mm. Uh, I didn't make it out on the water, you know, but really a handful of times. And they were a lot of five to seven pound fish for the amount of time I was putting in. You can't beat that now. Mm-mm. No, it's, and it's fun. I mean, it, I, I played around with a swim bait a bunch and I got a chance to, to flip. They got a lot of, they call them toolies out there, basically mm-hmm. just cattails. And there were some cattails with deep water and I'd go in there and punch a big heavy weight and that stuff. And I kind of, I figured I'm in California. I want to catch my first 10 pounder and uh, I'm fine with not catching any fish. I, I really bought into the big baits and, you know, I'm fine with not catching anything all day with getting a bite or two. And, um, and when you do get a bite, it's generally a big one. But I, I went a couple trips with no fish, you know, throwing big swim baits around. And then, then the next trip you catch a seven and, you know, it was worth it to me. Well, you know, I go fishing around here and go a couple trips without catching nothing with everything in the damn tackle box. And if I did catch something, it was like a one and a half pounder. So, you know, if that one fish was five or seven, I'd been way happy with that. Shoot, that it happens to everybody, man. It's um yeah, it's uh, I don't know, some some of the guys with the videos they put out, you know, I I look at them and I'm just thinking, man, what am I doing wrong? And then there, there's a few people that, that put the honest, you know, show you every trip right. out. Like you were talking about Greg earlier. Greg, I got a lot of respect for him because he'll, man, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll show you if you had a bad day. And I'm yeah. Just, I don't even want to show people when I had a good day, let alone, <laughs> let alone, you know, me going out there, you know, cussing at the wind and throwing stuff. And, you know, I, I feel like some of that is like a uh, you, you're absolutely right. Those swim bait guys, when when they put their edit out, right, their video out, like it, they're always catching fish and a lot. And you're like, oh, yes, yeah, sweet. I can just sling a swim bait and I'll catch monster fish. There's a guy and I can't remember his name, but he's uh, I'm in New Jersey, South New Jersey, but he's here, too. And we are not known for monster fish at all. And uh, this dude will put out video after video. What? Of really? him skunking, but like he's it's great video. He's breaking down water, and he'll even say he's like, if I just would throw a wacky worm in there, I would catch a ton of 13 inchers. This dude's out there trying to break the New Jersey state record, so he's throwing these big swim baits, right? But he's got like literally he comes out with a video every week, and I think he's at three months now, and he hasn't caught a fish. Because he's throwing giant swim baits trying to pull like the New Jersey state record is like 10 pounds, two ounces. And he's fishing his body of water where he thinks there, there there's like a 12 to 13 in. So like he's got to focus. Right. But you'll watch like I, I've watched a 20 minute video. This dude doesn't catch anything. He's been doing it for three months, just trying to catch big fish. The only, some of the only reason I watch them is because I'm like, well, at least he's showing the real side of it, like yeah. that you're not just going to slam them every time. Yeah, props to him. I, I got a lot of respect for people that are willing to go all in like that. And, you know, I think that's really what it takes. You know, he's looking for one bite. And when he gets it, he's not going to care about the months and months of right. tough days. It's uh, It's a different mindset. And it's actually a... I kind of got in that mindset right before I started doing the tournaments. It's, <laughs> it's a completely different mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was about I to say, to with the out. tournaments, are you you're you're obviously not a swim bait guy during the tournaments, right? What do you uh, what do you lean towards more for the tournaments? 
you know, it really depends. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, I guess I consider myself a power fisherman. I like fishing shallow stuff. I'm, I'm not great with electronics. I don't like to go out there and, and I'm not trying to look for school and do the offshore thing. I'm almost always up, up in the dirt, uh, throwing at stuff I can see or looking for them. Um, but, I, you know, there's some tournaments where you kind of got to mix it up. It, you mm. got to pick up the spinning rod and it, I, I try to do whatever it takes to catch them. Uh, but definitely the, there's only a couple times I've, I've picked up a swim bait rod in a tournament. And it's, it's normally because the day before was so bad that I have no chance to <laughs> do anything. And I'm just fish. Let me get this big fish check and pay yeah, for my groceries. At least, you know, at least, you know, well, at this least is, if you do that, is, you got a chance. My, I've got some swim baits, nothing major big, just like the, the S waiver and a couple, you know, that I've gotten here from folks and all, but the thing about the swim bait from a tournament side is, is if, if you, if you are proficient with throwing a swim bait and getting that one big bite, when you get your limit of fish in three, four five, whatever your limit, when you get that limit and you're like, man, I need, if I get one big fish, this puts me in the game, this puts me in first, you know, gets me big fish, whatever it is, having the knowledge of where, when, and how to throw that swim bait to get that big bite that that changes things from a tournament perspective you can go out and you can you get your limit you know i'm in the top five i'm in the money but i need this i need this one kicker fish to win having that swim bait knowledge that big bait big fish knowledge to be able to go and do that that helps you in the tournament side because you for me i don't have that knowledge i'm not going to go out there you know and catch if i catch a big fish on a drop shot it's because i was fishing a damn drop shot that helps that can help you in these tournament settings boat or kayak there's i completely agree and i'm i wish i was better at it and i knew kind of when i know a lot of times when not to do it um <laughs> i've had a couple of those kind of special days where stuff clicks and you kind of go okay well but i i don't know that i've had enough of those days to really to really make me understand what makes certain baits tick um, but there's a couple guys that, that I think have figured some of that out. There's a couple of Virginia guys. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember if it was Ewing or, or Nolan, but you know, we just got back, uh, the, the Hobie tournament of champions was last week. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can't remember which one of the miners, but I know one of them was throwing a swim bait, uh, I think a, a glide bait and catching some big fish. Um, and I, and I think he put up, I know they both put up, you know, stupid numbers. They did way better than me. Uh, but that I, I think it was just like what you were talking about. You know, you you got a solid limit. And now you're looking for one of those those mm. big fish to really, you know, really anchor that limit. And uh, you can get that with those big baits. But it, I, I actually brought some. You know, I, I was thinking yeah. kind of along those lines. I'd been to Caddo once before and I I know there were big fish there, um, but I never you know, in practice. I never got around them to where I I felt like I. I could do that. I mean, it was for me, it was let's get five and then hopefully get, you know, a, a big bite or two using kind of more standard tackle. But mm -hmm. I, I definitely had stuff with me, but I, I didn't even throw it. I never got to that point. Uh, some of those guys, uh, Brian, I think Brian Nelly that won it. I mean, he was on mm -hmm. just a, an amazing spot. <laughs> he amazing smacked them the whole damn three days. He was oh on God. something there, wasn't he? Jeez. And, you know, I, 
it uh yeah i i can't imagine what that would feel like the the nerves you know kick, finding that in practice and then getting out there turning up morning i mean i'd have been <laughs> but uh yeah he he put kind of a, a hurting on the rest of the field but but it's definitely you know i've I carry a few of them in one one swim bait rod just in case you know you do get in that scenario where you know where it plays. But mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of one of those you know it's not not a real smart strategy most of the time. That <laughs> not for me anyway. I I think what's on a all right. So what's awesome is is the way you're talking. Like you're very humble about how you deal with this. There's uh. And for the most part, kayak guys are. There are some loudmouths, but but I think what's really cool is that if you go to the uh, the Missile Baits website, um, you are are doing blog entries over there, and it's kind of old school. We had Joe from Cut and Retie who kind of uh, on the show who kind of cut his teeth doing the the field and stream uh, like written form, and it, it's kind of cool to see that coming back again. And in your kind of, I mean. It basically looks like you're the only one blogging over there, which is perfectly fine. And you do a really good job of being very open. Like your last one was talking about how you came up just a little bit short for the, uh, that last Bassmaster event. But it's really awesome to see just kind of like brutal honesty and not just a bunch of like clout chasing bullshit. Well, I appreciate it. It, um, yeah, I think I know for me, I kind of have to be honest. I feel like if you if you if you can't honestly assess what you did, you know, to get you either a good or a bad result, you can't, you can't do better. Like if you can't admit that, you know, you screwed up and you did something wrong, it should have done it a different way. Um, I, I don't know how you, how you get better and, and don't have the same bad result the next time. Uh, and, you know, I've had plenty of bad ones and then, you know, you, you think you figure something out and you, you still have a bad one. It's, I, I wish I knew um, kind of what that, you know, some secret strategy or something. That, that makes, <laughs> well, I just love that you were so clear. Like, like you literally broke down your practice in that, in that latest blog post where you broke down, like, this is what you were looking for and you looking at the different spots. And it kind of shows, especially in kayak fishing on a tournament side, it's a gamble. Like you, mm-hmm. you had an idea, you were like, this is going to work and it looked good in practice. And then it didn't pan out. And it was, no. uh, I don't know, in, in a way it was like, Again, it was like refreshing to see that not, I mean, I, I wish you would have won, but um, like it was refreshing to see. Yeah, right. But it, but it was refreshing to see like sometimes like failure can be the biggest motivator when it comes to uh, trying to just get better at things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, um, you know, I, I tried to write it in a way that it's like I'm being honest, you know, and I'm I'm not necessarily going to share every little trick or, or thing, but but I, I want you to be able to look at it and and kind of I don't know. Like I, I feel like that's the kind of information that benefits me. Like if you watch somebody, like I'm trying to think of. Uh, I don't want to compare myself or compare what I've done to like somebody like, but somebody that I watch and enjoys, like Todd Castledine. Like I've really watched mm-hmm. his his content online to me is really really valuable. Like the his strategy, how he's looking at breaking down a lake. And um, it's kind of really, I've tried to imitate some of the stuff and picked up little things from him, just sort of watching his, Hey, this is what I did in this tournament. And this is the mindset. And this is how it was in practice this day. And then it shifted. And like, it's, there's some guys that are on a different level. And uh, 
and I, I, I know that's the kind of stuff that interests me. So um, hopefully people read it and enjoy it. Um, but it's, it's, it was, I, I really appreciate, you know, John giving me an opportunity to do that. Cause, uh, you know, when I first approached John, I was like, Hey, you know, I, I'm, uh, I do some kayak fishing and I, I'd like to work with missile. So he, he was, uh, I didn't have, you know, a very good track record and it, you know, he kind of gave me a chance and said, Hey, it, you, know, you want to try this? And, um, I, I really, really appreciate that opportunity he gave me because it's, um, I think it, it kind of, I was able to find a different gear with my fishing too, mm-hmm. because like, as soon as I had sort of a, a you know, a sponsor, somebody that, you know, I don't want to go out there and do crappy and make it look like, you know, I'm wearing the missile hat and go, yo, missile, and then, and then have a bad <laughs> tournament and have people, like, those missile beats must suck, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, like it, it, it kind of was an extra source of motivation. It was something that, you know, it's not just me out there and sort of my reputation. It's, you know, somebody else has kind of put, put faith in me and I'm trying to, you know, represent, you know, what he's built. And, uh, I think that that's kind of helped me. It, it that's a good source of motivation when you, you know, the weather's crappy in practice or, you know, you're just, you're just not having a good day and you, Hey, maybe I'll just call it call it an early day and go back at, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that there's other people that you're kind of representing is uh, that's a good motivation to stay out there. And, you know, I'll, I'll go down swinging. I, I might not always figure them out, but I'll, I'll be out there till it's dark. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be uh, putting my time in on the water and practice and kind of doing what needs to be done to, to figure them out. What we see with uh, social media and in blogging, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the social media aspects of it is the authenticity side of it. And so you have these folks that are, th- are that are showing their big catches and their only catches. But when you're in a when you're a tournament angler, ba- bass boat, kayak, whatever, you're a tournament angler and you're putting your content out there as a tournament angler, it is backed up by your results or lack thereof. And so if you're just putting a bunch of fish catches out there and big fish out there, but people you know, go and look and see at your finishes and you're in the bottom third every tournament, you know, you start to lose some of the authenticity that comes with it. You start to lose some of the, the clout that's there. Oh, but yeah. when you put your shit out there as a tournament angler and you're backing it up with wins, there's there's where, you know, the, the fish catches and the social media production of it come to come to play you're backing it up with what you're doing with, with some results in the game. And I think that's easier for people to feel like it's more authentic than if you're not doing that. If you can't back it up results or if every, every time you post a video 15 minutes is you catching, you know, 30 dinks. I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing with a term angler that's putting content out there. People are going to go back and look at your results to say if you're full of shit or not. And yeah. so you've been backing it up this year. Yeah, th- this it's been nice. And I, I'll tell you, the first part of the year, um, I had a couple of tough tournaments. We had some tough weather events. And uh, I think it was the Bassmaster Championship. Uh, they had it on Richard Russell Lake in, uh, I guess it's what, South Carolina and Georgia border. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I figured something out there and just kind of, I got on a nice little run. And it was a lot easier like putting out, you know, written content uh, when I could actually, you know, hey, look, this is, I actually had a good tournament. This, this was my, my good finish. 
I had some tournaments later on in the year where I'm, I'm still trying to put content out and, um, man, when you have a couple of bad tournaments in a row, it's like, Ooh, why would anybody want to listen to me? I, I can't, I forgot how to catch them. You know, what's uh, funny is that is actually, I think so. So like we, we just announced, uh, there's the queen city kayak trail, uh, in the Carolinas. Right. So we're going to starting next year, we're going to start covering them falls close to them we we kind of got a partnership but we we made sure it was clear that we didn't want to just have the winner like we wanted the the person who is like right out of the money or like the mm. dead last person <laughs> right because so so you say like like who who would want to see that I, like most people do they they want to see so they see you you're a sponsored fisherman they want to see you have bad days because that almost makes you more relatable because we all have bad days. And even, I mean, all pro fishermen, all fishermen have bad days. It's the nature of the beast. It's you're dealing with an animal. Sometimes it doesn't cooperate, but like, <laughs> that you can't see exactly. <laughs> but, but like when, when people have those struggles and again, I, I, I really want to push people to that blog site um, because you, you talk about it in a really relatable humble way and you kind of explain like this was my idea and then it'd be like and it didn't work and yeah. you know what i mean and that's but that's that like paul was saying that authenticity i think is shining through which is great because i think we need more of that and it's just like new wave coming out on all these platforms the the social media platforms and youtube and and whatever it is this new wave of authenticity which is coming out from anglers which i, I think is awesome i think it's huge I hope it sticks. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know like when I look at Instagram or, you know, pick your, your media source, yeah. I mean, it, most of what you see is everybody showing you their best day. And it's almost like, I don't know, it, it, it can seem disingenuous or not disingenuous, <laughs> but it can make me think, what the, you know, what am I doing wrong? I'm yeah, looking what, at this guy. Why, why he, yeah. And I, I swear, I think there's a lot of people that, that, I mean, I can't be the only one that thinks that nope. looking at all these other people and 100% man, this, right. 100% right. And calendar every, every third day. And this guy's, and, and you know, props to them for, for, you know, being able to do that. But it's uh, most of us, you know, you, you have a, you know, maybe not as many bad days as good, but you have a lot of the days in there where it just, you don't figure it out. And uh you know, when you, when you go out there and have a bad term or a bad day or just, you know, just not clicking, then you go, you know, scroll through social media and see everybody else who's just crushing <laughs> it. It just makes it worse. So no, I, no, I, yeah, I'm I, with I, you. I stay off of that stuff. Yeah, I, Facebook it, marketplace, all my fire sale. <laughs> Take it down after the first person inquires about something. Like, you know what? Never mind. I changed my mind. It's all gone. I, I mean, I, I've, uh, I've been there where it just, Man, it it's it, especially if you're already kind of demoralized. Man, stay off social media because I've <laughs> I've done that like going into tournaments where I I felt like, hey, I've I've I think I figured something out or maybe I'm on something that you know maybe it's not going to win the tournament, but it's something that I feel okay about. And then you look at somebody else and you see, you know, a bunch of people with you know big fish that slow, they're on something a whole lot better than me, and then then you start second guessing yourself and. I think that that can be detrimental. Uh, I've, I've had to stop, that's, stop looking. That's a yeah. That's a whole different ball game though in the kayak world about people winning practice. 
and they I caught 90, 80, blah, blah, all these fish, and then they come in there, and then they can't catch shit on tournament day because they caught every damn they fish. They caught everything in their they, spot. They, look, they, they was out there just like they was fun fishing. They caught every damn fish that they had out there in the two, three days of practice. And now they're like, shit, I don't know why they won't bite, and the fish were gone. They weren't there because you damn sore-lipped every damn one of them. Uh, I have – it's it's still amazing to me that cat some of the I've seen some really really good anglers do that and you run into them on tournament day and you know a couple was fishing the same area and you go through it and you know none of us really had a good day but I hear them talking at the ramp yeah man I had ninety five inches in there in practice I'm like why would you do that like you did that to all of us like why would you it's like I'm. I mean, I, I will stick some fish in practice. I know at one point I was, you know, I I would try not to stick anything. And I think that, you know, you got to get some bites and halfway you, figure you, out. You got to realize what's, you got to understand what's there. I mean, you have to, you going to catch some, but we ain't mm -hmm. fishing for three limits of 90 plus fish for mm -hmm. two days straight. I mean. No, and I've, I've had, like I said, a handful of guys that I got a lot of respect for that are good fishermen and, and you know, I've heard him. Oh yeah, we busted whatever in this one little spot, and I'm thinking, no wonder none of us caught anything today. <laughs> like you said, they're all sore-lipped. <laughs> we put up 75. <laughs> Where'd the big fish go? Oh. <laughs> Do you they, they use left. for for prep? Uh, since we are kind of based on social media, I don't think I've ever asked this question. So feel free to be like. No, and we'll edit it out. Psych, we don't edit anything. But um, <laughs> do you use, like, YouTube for, like, a lake study? Like, if you're going to go somewhere, do you, like, search up the lake on YouTube to kind of see if there's any, you know, any videos on a spot? Yeah, um, and I'm not looking so much for spots as I am, you know, kind of what what's the lake look like? What, you know, what, what can I find about the lake? You know, spots, I don't – even in practice, I mean, you, a lot can change in a matter of a couple of days. Like a right. spot, you know, just because some guy caught them there a year ago. Shoot, I've had tournaments where, you know, this was kind of my second year doing it and going back to certain lakes. Like Pickwick was an example where I had a couple of places where, you know, I caught them pretty good last year. And it was same time of year, a little bit different conditions, different water level. But I thought I could get in there and, you know, I was thinking, let me let me explore all new stuff and then just check that because I figured that was going to be there and those spots weren't worth anything. That maybe I just wasn't, you know, maybe I was too shallow or you know doing something wrong, didn't figure it quite out. But um, yeah, I, I don't think the spot thing is that doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, I didn't mean like and, specific spots. I meant like uh, that was just my misspeaking. I meant like a general like pattern or kind of like oh, feel to the lake. Oh yeah, like I want to see is it a, you know is it dirty is it clear are the fish shallow are they deep um, but I mean most of the most of the stuff that you're going to find it, it's not it's not necessarily relevant to oh I'm going to go do that exact thing but it's it at least kind of gives you a starting point you you can do a lot with uh, with satellite imaging right but what I've found is even with that satellite imaging it's hard to get you don't know exactly what that water is going to look like, how high that water is going to be when you're there. Um, and I'll, so, somehow I get looking at satellite images, I get like an, a picture of what this stuff's going to look like. 
and then I actually get to the ramp and it just <laughs> looking at it from ground level, it looks different. And I'm like, whoa, this, yeah. this looks way better or way worse. And it's, uh, you know, the map studies, a, it's part of it. I think some of the guys that are that are at the top of the, the kayaking game, I think they're really good at the map study mm. and, um, you know, going back and looking <clears throat> at the historical images and figuring out, you know, picking their spots and having a pretty good idea of where they want to fish beforehand. Um, I, I tend to look at stuff and I, I'm not as good at breaking it down. A lot of the stuff looks good to me. It's like, you know, I'll, I've had a number of tournaments where I'll, I'll have too much water and I'll try to hit too many of the spots that look good, um, you know, mapping in practice. Um, I think that's another pitfall that, you know, I, I've as many of these as I've fished and sort of not done well in, um, and even ones where you do well, like you go to these award ceremonies and, and see, you know, who caught them and how they caught them. And a lot of times it's not like it's just one pattern that works in mm. one place. Um, I've, I've been to a bunch of them where, I mean, it seemed like every single person was doing something different, completely different part of the lake, different techniques. And it, it really has reinforced for me, like just, I've got to tell myself, man, there's fish everywhere. Now there might be certain spots that are, are holding better than average fish or that there might be uh, a section of the lake that that's a little better, but there's fish everywhere. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out kind of, in that section of the lake, what are they using? What, what are they eating? What's the, the best habitat available? And, you know, how can I sort of intercept them? It's, uh, I've, it's one of those things I, I keep telling myself, Hey, just let's, let's stick to one little corner of the lake or one section. And mm-hmm. uh, I still got to fight myself because I'm, I keep, well, what about, I just, it looks so good on the map over there. And, <laughs> and then you, 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 what, what you can end up doing is spending your entire day driving around looking at ramps mm-hmm. and then just kind of staring at a bunch of water and not figuring anything out like that. You got to do, it's kind of a weird balance, I think, of of searching and, you know, looking at enough stuff to have an idea of, of what, you know, what you need to be doing and, you know, not overlooking something, but at the same time spending enough time actually on the water that you can figure something out. Uh, it's with That's a kayak. What, I mean, you can't a hundred miles down the lake. It's you, you kind of need to pick an area and figure it out. It's um, at yeah. least that, that's what I think. That's, that's what I was, you, you made a good point earlier and just, you just tapped into it right now. When we go to YouTube and we're going to fish Chickamauga or Santee or some lake like that, when we're looking at these, these map study videos on YouTube, Typically, what we're watching, we're watching boat guys do these map studies. And they can have from one end of of the lake to the other that they want to go check and scan and find out. And they can do that in a couple of days of practice super easy. When you're in a kayak, (laughs) if you find an area that you like that's three miles away, that's, that's that's a damn day. To get down there to scan it to fish it to try to check it like that's a day so you know, being able to break those areas down and find the ones that you like the most because we can't check everything we can't check everything in two or three days of practice and we damn sure can't check everything in a tournament so the the map study is good to have but man from the kayak side you really gotta 
you got to nail down two, maybe three that you can go and, and investigate real well and then just have to choose the best one out there because we don't, we going, you know, four miles, five miles an hour, that you ain't getting nowhere fast and far. Mm-mm. No, and especially, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking this, this off season to get a motor. I've been mm-hmm. running, uh, 2021 was my first year. You know, I, I bought my first Hobie and I, uh, that was the first time I had a pedal drive <laughs> and that, that pedal drive versus the standard paddling. Uh, I mean, I, I felt like the whole lake opened up because it, it used yeah. to be, I mean, I'd look at ramps and I'd feel like, okay, well, I can only really comfortably go that far in a day. Right. Um, and it, and having a pedal drive is nice, but it's a game changer, even at Hobie events. Oh yeah. But anymore, I mean, the top guys, pretty much everybody's running a motor, uh, at mm-hmm. least in practice. You know, and in in the Bassmaster and the KBFs, they're running in in the tournaments, mm-hmm. and um, it just it doesn't make sense to try to compete against those guys with a pedal drive. If I can get you know my hands on a motor, uh, and I've I had a good year in spite of it. But like even the Hobie tournaments, I've I fished with buddies where. You know, it's like, well, I'll break down this section and they were going to break down a couple other areas. And we get back at the end of the day and they literally cover twice what I covered in practice. <laughs> and you uh, twice as tired. Hot. You're like, dude, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. real, get back and eat, go I mean, to bed. Shit, I did 10 miles today. <laughs> well, you start doing 10, 15 miles a day in practice. Huh? By the time the tournament rolls around, you don't you don't really feel like doing that, <laughs> you know, for two or three more days. It's uh, so that that motor, I think, is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've. I want to get my hands on one and kind of, uh, you know, it, it, I've fought it. I kind of fight the technology, but it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. And it's no. even with the Hobie, even if I only fish Hobies next year and don't do a Bassmaster or a KBF, I think it still makes sense to have just for that practice. Um, it's like, I, I don't, it's hard enough to catch the fish. I don't need to give myself a disadvantage. So, well, so for the Hobie events, you can you, you can practice with a motor. You just can't compete with a motor. Is that correct? Exactly. You got to have it. Um, so everybody will still have their mounting bracket on there. You'll see a bunch of you know naked brackets. Up. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. With no uh, no motor on there, and uh, it it's um, like I said, I kind of fought it because that that was one of the things I didn't like about having that John boat back in the day. Versus having a kayak was all that extra battery, those damn lead acid batteries, you know, having to lug those around, having to lug that heavy trolling motor and, uh, you know, throw that, you know, obnoxious, I think it was what, eight, I think I had the eight foot one, but it was still, Mm. you know, pain in the butt, getting that up on top Mm -hmm. of the car and just doing all that when all I could do, I think I, my first kayak was that, um, it was a hybrid, uh, what do they call it, commander that Winter Systems made. And I think it was, I don't know, 60 or 70 pounds. Like you could throw it on your shoulder and you walk. I could walk down places, uh, you know, park along the GW Parkway in Northern Virginia, walk down to the river, places where you, know, you couldn't launch anything else. There was no launch. It was just riprap, big rocks. And you could take that and just walk it and drop it in the water and grab a couple rods and a, a few baits and just go. And, you know, you could do it for a couple hours after work. I think that that was kind of what really attracted me about kayak fishing was the simplicity and of course you know now i've got you know, rods. i was about to say i was about to say the simplicity that you talked about and i think 
almost uh so what's funny is we talked to a bunch of people on this show right and we talked to a lot of tournament guys and all the tournament guys say the same thing i love kite fishing for the simplicity of it but then at some point the switch flips into tournament mode into competition mode and now we've took that simplicity mm -hmm. completely out of it now we are completely in competing mode and it's motors and graphs and live scope and trailers and uh you know the whole shebang almost like having a boat which is really weird no 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 that's yeah. a stupid ass argument that's... there's way less expensive to have a you're kayak right there is all way, that shit on way it. no 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 it is way less expensive to have all that shit decked down in your kayak a motor two graphs all that stuff is way less expensive. There ain't no fool that goes up into that kayak. None of that bullshit. I, I think mean, a John boat might simple. be cheaper. But but you ain't fishing kayak tournaments in a John boat. You can fish. I'm going to next year. Next year, I'm going to smoke the whole trail here because <laughs> oh I'm going to roll up God. in a John boat and I'm going to tell him, listen, my John boat uh, is basically a kayak. I have a, a paddle. And I'm going to dominate. There are rules against that. It has to be a kayak. They don't even let canoes in some of these things. It's got to be a kayak. <laughs> Why the canoe? Honestly, that, that John boat fishing? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I think one of the guys that did real well in one of the Hobies this past year, one of the days was, was in a canoe. Um, yeah. I, I can swear. I uh, I don't think it had motor or anything. There's a couple guys. I mean, you look at Drew Gregory had a. Oh, yeah. I mean, he made he me feel bad a couple times this year. Yeah. <laughs> how good look, his year was. Look, I I had a paddle, or, 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 or yeah, a paddle kayak for like two months. It was like, the hell with this shit. I can't, like, I can't <laughs> fish with my hands. You know, I don't know what to do. The paddle's in the way, and I can't stand up to pee. So I got a whole BPA 14. But Paddling is for peasants. That's that's my stance. Paddling <laughs> for peasants. Now, if you're up into the skinny waters and all these lakes and, and the majority of the tournament lakes that we're going to fish on the national trail are going to have skinny water you can get into. But damn, that shit is for the peasants. I can't do it. I'm, I'm fat and overweight, so, you know, it shit just don't work like that. I, 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 like, I like being able to pedal, use my hands to fish, have have this free i damn damn that paddle yeah i and those hobies for as much as i like them for pedaling um they're not the easiest to paddle <laughs> if, if, that, if that drive goes on man it's uh and i've, I've had a bunch of like i'll i like to fish that skinny stuff and there's certain types of grass where you you get in that skinny stuff and that grass that's coming up you know, just under the surface that yeah, I don't think it matters what kind of pedal drive you have. Mm -mm. It's, it needs to come up and you got to paddle. So I stand and paddle my outback a lot. Uh, yeah. I like doing that in the Good springtime, night. looking for you know, the, the site fishing tournaments. Those are the ones that I get excited about when, mm. if there's a chance at, at fish on beds um, that it can burn you, but it, it can also be really good when mm. you, if, if you can find an area and you know there's a couple of big males, you know, 18 to 20 inch males on beds that you can go catch, um, you know, you can have a really bad couple of days of practice. And if you just got that, you, it, it can take you pretty far in one of these. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I love uh, I love sight fish and I love fishing for them when they're in you know, skinny water. Um, but yeah, it's the patterns work. It is. Uh, I got a lot of respect. I, I ran into Drew one. I think it was day three at the mm. TOC, and I could not believe how much water he covered that day. I was I was going roughly five miles one way to get to my spot mm. and he got in there and did this gigantic loop and i he did significantly more than i did with a pedal drive and he did not have any kind of I mean, his propulsion was the yep three yeah. rods one 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 case of 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 lures yeah. a paddle and his crescent kayak and and salvinia i mean that there was nasty thick salvinia you had mm. to go through and some of this stuff and you, you wouldn't know like if you're if you're navigating through some of the stuff, you, you just, you know, what was clear one day, the wind would blow that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, when the wind packs it into that stuff is nasty. I don't know if you ever guys, if you guys ever fished around Salvinia, but that mm -hmm. stuff is, they need, they need to make sure that doesn't get anywhere outside of <laughs> Caddo or whatever the other places it is. That, that stuff is, yeah. man, I listen to solve people. all this again, uh, Justin, for you next year um, and, and, and maybe give this a shot. And if it works, Make sure Bass and Brews gets all the credit. Like, just show up with your John boat, uh, <laughs> and you can blast through all that. And then, but have your kayak in the John boat, right? Mm. And then you anchor the John boat off of where you're going to go into. You're going to beat everybody to the spots. <laughs> so, Justin, your ass is getting disqualified every time, every tournament that you listen to. Damn, Alex, you go to, you get disqualified. And do not mention bass and brews. If you just mention Alex, won't rap fishing. Don't mention, don't mention the rest of us with no bullshit like that. Hey, I want to take it back for a second or a few minutes here. I want to take it way back. What is what is the journey that's got you here right now? What is what is the fishing journey from the the first time you picked up a rod and reel to to what's oh, brought going, you here now? We're going way back. Way um, back, man. That's what people want to know. They want to know how you got so good now, but it has to start from when you picked up that first rod and reel or cane pole being from Virginia because oh, yeah. I'm from the Carolinas. You know, we grew up fishing true-ass cane poles that you went and bought at the store. I remember using the cane pole a couple times. We were, uh, I think it was a Boy Scout event. I guess mm -hmm. it was Cub Scouts probably, and there was some little pond, and I don't remember if it was a – some kind of jammery, big camping event, people, you know, different scout troops from all over. And yeah, I remember sitting there on that pond with, uh, you know, I think my little brother, my little brother worms and a bobber and just <laughs> yeah. everybody else was catching sunfish. And he, he dropped in there and caught a little bass. And yeah, it, uh, I remember it. Yeah. I definitely got my start, uh, farm ponds, um, mm. grew up in North Carolina. Uh, we mm. moved to Virginia when I was nine. And, you know, dad took us, uh, you know, he got permission to fish uh, farm pond. Um, I don't even remember where, you know, where it was, but I remember going out there, uh, you know, a handful of times with my, uh, my brother and a, a couple sisters. And uh, I remember using just you know, bobber and live, live earthworms. Uh, one time we forgot the earthworms and went out there and caught, uh, it was, it just happened to be, I guess it was late summer and they were, crickets or grasshoppers all over the place yeah. catching crickets and and i'm uh, just catching sunfish and uh 
yeah, I, I enjoyed it then. And I, I, I definitely like that. I remember when we got to Virginia, um, I got to go trout fishing with dad, and my brother, a couple of times. And, uh, I was no good at that. I could not catch those trout. Um, <laughs> they didn't like the brother, corn that was on your hook. No, nah, we, we were doing uh, we were doing that earthworms, drifting the earthworms, okay, and, yeah. and I would, uh, yeah, I just I could catch all those little suckers and all the trash fish, but I I, I don't know that I ever caught a trout doing that growing up. And they probably I, had you in the middle of the boat, so you you couldn't catch nothing. <laughs> they would catch everything before and after. I don't know. I remember, I remember my little brother got one. Um, he got one one day, but pretty much dad, dad was the, the king of the trout fishing. Mm. And then it, at some point, I don't remember if it was a TV show that I saw, um, but it was something watching guys bass fish. And it, it just, it looked cool. And I was probably 12. And I remember kind of catching the bug. I don't remember the specific you know, video or whatever it was that kind of got me interested. But I remember going to the library, the little local library, and I would check out every single, you know, outdoor life and field and stream, every magazine they carried. I'd I'd be opening up that that shelf and, you know, I'd, I'd have a stack of magazines flipping through them. And, you know, I got a Bassmaster subscription. And um, I remember there was a, I think it was Paul Elias had a video I think he, it came out a couple years after he won the classic. Now, he had a great big old beard, and uh, I mean, the, the real high shorts, and, and it, was, <laughs> it had to be, God, it had to be filmed in the, you know, late mid to late eighties, maybe. I mean, it, it it was an old video, um, but I remember him talking, you know, basics of ba- better bass fishing or something like that, talking about fishing a spinnerbait, a worm, and uh, I think he had a crankbait in there too, but. And I'm watching that multiple times, going and renting that from the library, watching it and watching it. And I was just trying to soak up all that information. I, I still remember, you know, the fishing little little ponds around home and and catching fish. And um, you know, we whenever the family was was going somewhere on a, a vacation, you know, trying to find water and catch fish. And it um, yeah, from about from about the time I was twelve, I had I had it pretty bad. I guess that's when I became a degenerate. <laughs> and uh yeah i think it was probably college when uh when i i mean i i studied i i was into the uh you know kind of learning everything i could about the fishing but college uh i went to school and the college campus was backed right up on the shenandoah river mm-hmm. and i spent a lot of time you know you have a break from classes um you spend a couple hours for dinner or whatever I'd, i i spent a lot of time on that river and just waiting. And I learned a lot, a lot of the techniques that I'd read about and you know, stuff that I sort of knew, um, I got to actually do it there. And it was, uh, man, that was fun. Um, you know, catching them on, you know, Zara spook. I don't know how many articles I read about, you know, how, you know, the top water blow ups. And when I actually got to see those smallmouth blow up on, on top water baits, you know, catching them on. And I, I threw a lot of, uh, kind of power fishing stuff stuff you think you throw for largemouth and catch big smallmouth on it uh, so that was kind of when i think I, I started started really getting better and um you know the, the farm ponds around here you know the, the the one that i'd get to the most you know there were there were a couple it was a little small kind of community pond and there were uh, a couple of landowners that would give me permission to fish it uh, but it was 
there wasn't a whole lot of diversity in that lake. It was it was pretty much kind of a shallow, relatively clear, had a lot of grass in it. You know, you catch them on plastics and that was about it. So I mm-hmm. I wasn't real versatile kind of until I got to college and got a chance to kind of do a bunch of different things. And then, um, yeah, kind of once I think that that kind of got me going with uh, knowing those different techniques and Virginia's. I mean, there's a number of states, I think, that are that are similar in that, like in Virginia, I can go pretty much, you know, start pick the center of the state. I can go a couple hours in pretty much any direction. And you find most types of habitat that you're going to find around the country for bass fishing. You can find the Highland Reservoirs. You know, we got Smith Mountain Lake pretty close to here. Um, I can go up and fish Tidal on the Potomac or, or go a little further east, you know, towards Richmond and fish the James. You've got the moving water for smallmouth. There's, um, you know, there's some shallow muddy lakes. I mean, there's, you, you can kind of find water to, to try a bunch of different techniques. Um, it, it's really one, one of the cool things about the state is that it's, you, you might not have the biggest fish. You know, it's, it's not Texas or California or Florida, but it's, um, there's big ones that live here and you can, you can become very versatile um, in a place where you've got so much different there's so much variety in your water you you know what's crazy is virginia is actually the uh first place i ever caught a largemouth bass no i uh it was 2016 i I got into bass fishing like you talked about trout i'm originally from washington state so Uh i grew up trout fishing all that and uh i fell out of fishing and then fast forward all the way to 2016 i uh I started, I was like, I want to learn how to bass fish. And because, you know, I saw stuff online, this and that. And I was fishing in New Jersey and I caught some pickerel and some sunfish, but never a bass. Jackfish. Jackfish, sure. Anyways. um, And then uh, (laughs) I get sent to, uh, I'm newly out of the U.S. Coast Guard. So I got sent to a school, though, in Yorktown, Virginia. And I found a random like pond in like an industrial complex in Hampton, uh, Virginia or Hampton roads, Virginia. And I caught my first bass. It was like that big, the tiniest thing ever annihilated a full size Sanko wacky rigged. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. I'm down with this. I can do this. And, uh, like I, I had to go to school for four weeks and I remember like getting out of class, you know, um at like three o'clock and i fished until like nine o'clock i caught so many b- tiny bass and then eventually they got bigger and bigger but uh it was all in virginia is actually i guess technically where i started my bass fishing that's cool that's actually yeah. uh i haven't spent as much time in that sort of tide water section but i've i know some guys that fish out that way and it's there's some good fishing out there i i, I caught <laughs> i caught a bunch of bass and some of them are decent uh, but it was like random in the Yorktown battlefields. There's okay. uh, a couple random ponds out there and you got to hike to kind of get out there. But uh, like I made my way out there and it, it was, it's one of the things like cemented kind of why I like this. I was able to like hike out. It was like a mile into the battlefield to get in there and then hit this little pond. And then these bass were ferocious. Like they were, I mean, it's probably why I still fish a wacky worm 
way too much uh because i would just cast this wacky worm out and they were they were already hitting it before it even hit the water basically like they were so feisty <laughs> zero pressure and i was like this is way better than trout fishing or salmon fishing like these things want to bite i don't have to coax them and uh they're annihilating everything like you you know it's the best oh yeah i think that there's something about you know i've, I've dabbled with other species a little bit i've I tried to get into fly fishing at one point and you know, it's fun. It's, I, I, I never did it enough to really get good at it, but, but it's um, something about bass, man. It's, I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. I've done, you know, tinkered with, with some saltwater <clears throat> fishing, you know, for redfish and speckled trout every once in a while. But yeah, I mean, it's just something about large mouth and small mouth bass. That's, I don't know why it's so addicting, but it's, uh, you know, I almost don't care to catch anything else in the lake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the same with me. I catch little white perch or catfish and stuff. I'm like, God dang, this is a waste of my damn time. Oh, well, Paul, just Paul is like the king of catching catfish when he doesn't want to catch catfish. Like I half mean, of his content, half his content <laughs> is the grocery store. The other half of his content is catfish. <laughs> that's it. And look, it's always on a stupid drop shot where I can't horse them in. I don't know what I got until I see it. So, you know, sometimes these bigger bass where I'm at, you catch them in 15, 18 foot of water and they're digging, you know, you can't, you're not, you don't have enough power to bring them in a little drop shot. It's a eight pound catfish. I'm like, like 15 minutes of my time. I'm a hundred yards from where I was fishing. Cause it's dragged me all over the lake, you know, stupid ass, nasty catfish. Yeah. Justin, I have a question. Line you. All up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they got a little thing. Yep, you catch a damn catfish on a drop shot, six pounds. It you you I've cut the hook off. I, it, you got to retie everything because they will fuck it all to hell and back. And actually, the little ones are probably worse. About you get it in, I'm like, how did they tie this knot on, on this on this leader? How I I have yep. never tied a knot this good in my entire life, <laughs> but they somehow figure out how to do it. Hey, when did you get into the tournament side? Did you do any? big boat tournament fishing did you go straight to the kayak side you said you you got into these national trails two years ago in 2020 mm -hmm. what what led you into into the competitive side of it i definitely like the competitive side i'd followed the elite series and i guess it was what invitationals and whatever it was before that i'd, I'd followed the kind of the pro level for a long time um and i i tried to do the co-angler thing for a little while Mm. Um, a couple years after out of school, I guess, um, I'm trying to think what year it would have been. I, I had maybe, a, I want to say it was like 09, 08, 09, okay. um, somewhere in there. I, uh, I did a bunch of co-angler tournaments. I did, I think I did two different divisions. Damn. I want to say there were four or five events in each division. And, you know, I, I enjoyed the competition and I was, Probably like a lot of people thinking, ah, oh, this is, you know, I know that I know Jacob Wheeler went that route. I don't know how many other guys managed to go from co-angler winning a boat to boat side, but um, I, no, there you go. I was, um, I was thinking, well, shoot, the only way I would be able to afford a boat is to uh, to go win one of one of these tournaments. So it did not happen. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had some good tournaments, um, but eventually, I, I think it was around the time I was. I was getting into the kayaking, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd fished enough tournaments where I, I kind of got frustrated with, with, I guess, 
with my results. Um, I, I think I was in it for the wrong reasons for, I think the reason you should fish those as a co-angler is to try to learn, uh, you know, fish, fish with different people and try to pick up on stuff that they're doing, um, you know, get better. Um, I feel like there's, there's little tricks and stuff you can pick up from everybody. Um, I was more competitive and I was, you know, looking at the standings and okay, I'm trying to do well. And mm-hmm. uh, You wanted to win. You were fishing to, to win. win. Yeah. And uh, that boat, that's was, the only reason I fish is to win. Fun I was not fishing. good enough to win. I was yeah, I don't want to fun Well, shit, I st- I ain't never I probably never be I'm old. I'll never be good enough to win. But damn it, I'm going I'm going to every tournament. I want to win and yep. then it's to be in the money. And if those two things don't happen, it's a fucking failure. <laughs> that was kind of my mindset. Was it it I I wanted to win, I wanted to do well. Um, you know, consistency, you know, consistently good finishes or something else, you know, you shoot for. But um, I found that it was really a crapshoot. A lot mm-hmm. of a lot of my success depended on the guy in the front of the boat. Um, and you'd have some tournaments where you drew somebody who was a hammer, a local on that lake. Um, this was the the BFLs. Um, and then you'd have other ones where you get somebody who they were trying to do the whole circuit to go to the regional, try to qualify to do the next series and. You know, this was one that they weren't good at. And, you know, I had guys tell me, hey, man, I'm just trying to catch one fish in this tournament so that I can qualify, you know, get the points to make it to the regional. And I'm just thinking, Ooh, like, I don't even, like, great. We're going to go out and maybe get one. <laughs> He's um, fishing docks with he, with the front of the boat at the docks, and you're out there fishing, <laughs> fishing straight out behind you. Like, I can't even, I can't even throw a Carolina. That was the worst. <laughs> I've, I've only had to happen one time. And one time's enough. It was the worst, man. And I don't think he, it it wasn't like he was intentionally trying to put me to disadvantage. It's just, you know, you're going down the bank and he's, it was early spring, you're fishing slow. Mm. And he'd have a flip, he'd have his, his jig would hit every one of those, those pilings, corners, high percentage spots, you know, two or three times before I even got to it. And it's just like, (laughs) wow. I mean, it's one thing if, if, you know, you're kind of burning down the bank or they're power yeah. fishing, but man, when the guy in the front of you is finesse fishing everything, and then you got to go behind him. It's like, you can't, you can't even finesse fish behind him. Um, <laughs> well, it, again, so, so, so we'll go to great uh, advice here. I already gave you the nugget on using um, the John boat and the kayak tournament. <laughs> Here's uh, the co-angler secret. And this is for everybody. Uh, what you do is you take your drop shot rig, and uh, you put a live minnow on it, and you fucking catch <laughs> that thing out. Because <laughs> that's the only way you're going to catch anything behind. I, I should have talked to you 10 years ago. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm here for you now. I'm here for you now. I could have been the uh, you know, the other Tony Christian or whatever the guy's name was. Live. <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes into the damn competition and you figure and, and Alex is Alex is telling you 30 minutes in you're figuring out this guy is picking apart docks yep. and, and shit on the bank and start you throwing minis. Start you're throwing got a cast net out there trying to catch some shad to hook on your drop shot just so you can catch something like, Listen, Paul you did even better use the cast net to just catch the bass itself just <laughs> fucking throw the net out it uh it works i've seen people do that in rivers and uh supposedly trying to catch you know bait fish and uh i've seen them take the car take the bass take everything everything, put them in 
Put them in the cooler. <laughs> hey, them, them bucket guys. Hey, yeah. if you if you ever go down there, somebody got a bucket. I can guarantee you every fish that comes in that boat's going in the fucking bucket. As one of the things, uh, you know, some little small bodies of water I'd fish in Northern mm-hmm. Virginia. It's just it's a really densely populated area, and there'd be a handful of people that were the you know the meat eaters, which you know is fine. I don't I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with people taking fish and eating them. But I'd go to some of these lakes and fish, and I'd you know I'd be out in the kayak or, or walking the bank, and I'd see people put these little I mean. And literally everything. I mean, a blue. I'm like, the house aren't even any meat on that thing. Literally everything <laughs> they caught went in the bucket. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know how. It's not like I said, some of them were. I don't even know if they're big enough to be bait for for bass fishing. <laughs> I think it's funny when we get into talking about that, right? Because so so one bucket brigade. You're absolutely right. Like these are small bodies of water. You're taking everything. Like be smart about it. But when you go to the saltwater side of it. Like everybody just takes everything on the salt water and you'll go for it. But my favorite, I was on the Atlantic City jetty and puffer fish had pushed in. This is in New Jersey. These are non-toxic. They are delicious. But these dudes are catching puffer fish. And uh, once you pull them out of the water, you know, they puff all up. But they're all big and they throw them in their bucket. And then they just kind of have a, a piece of plywood that goes over the top and they sit on it. But eventually the puffers deflate. And me being the 38-year-old man who I'm still a child, when they deflate, it makes a farting sound. But they'll have a whole <laughs> bucket full of these fish. And it's as you walk down the pier, you know that it's a good bite because all you hear is farting sounds all the way down the jetty. Um, and that's when I'm like, hey, Bucket Brigade is actually doing a smart thing. I know that I can just throw a Demique or a, uh, a Sabiki rig and just catch a shit ton of chicken for dinner basically hey there so, you go yeah <laughs> i've never i've never never thought of using the uh the bank fisherman as like tipping off when it's a good one <laughs> that's pretty I, I think that's only for a salt water deal i think uh you're absolutely right on the other end it's a bunch of dudes with one inch uh bluegills talking about oh you don't understand when i fry them up they're gonna be delicious no when you fry them up they're going to taste like the batter, and that's it because there's fucking nothing else there. I yeah. don't know. In the country now, when you uh. catch them little small brim, you, you de-head them, you gut them, and they are a delicious morsel of fish. But the fins are like... And there's potato. that much left. There's that much left after you that's de-head them and gut them. That's it. That's okay. Look, we don't even have to de-head them. We just gut them. Get the guts out, and you fry the whole fish because the cheap meat on the fish... Is delicious. People, people be mm. throwing that shit away all the time. Now, I've even i've I've caught crappie. Uh, you know, bass fishing. You catch some big crappie every once mm. in a while, and I've I've gone to fillet those, and I've been disappointed. You know, big crappie, and I'm <laughs> uh, little tiny, little thin, thin fillet, and I'm like, man, that big fish, and that's all the meat I get. <laughs> I see why they got to catch a whole bunch of them. To, to <laughs> That's why the, that's why the limit's eighty because <laughs> you fillet them all out and you've eaten you know half a pound of fish. Yeah, I I love uh, and we're, we're, here's a pro level transition. Ready? So I do like. I hope switching. it's not another fucking tip. The tip was stuck tonight. Dynamite. No, I I like transitioning from <laughs> bass to uh, I like transitioning from bass to crappie. As uh, 
as the, the season gets long in the winter, right? And we're getting to about that point. And what's really awesome is I went out a couple weeks ago and I was throwing around the, uh, here's the transition, ready? Throwing around the missile jigs, uh, mini swim jig, right? And uh, throwing that mini D chunk on the back of it. And I was really excited about it. I, uh, I, I'd been deployed for a year, so I kind of missed that bait coming out. And I got to throw this for the first time. And it was literally like the third cast. I, I, I love swim jigs. They're like my favorite bait to throw. It was like the third cast. Boom, I set into something. I'm like, fuck yeah. It was a big crappie, but it was a crappie. And I was like, all right, well, that sucks. I wanted a bass, but um, it kind of like really, I don't know. It made me think about that bait a lot more, that it was a very compact, small kind of do everything swim jig um which i really appreciated so to transition all the way over how did you get involved with uh with missile baits to begin with well i've i've used their stuff uh, for a while like i think the first the first time i heard about their baits was uh as a different jig um i think it was about 10 years ago um when uh, ike started promoting this mini flip jig the mini flip yeah and you know i'd thrown some other some stuff from some other brands and uh that was similar but i i tried that bait out and really liked it and um that was probably what i threw the most from missile um i know i, I threw the d-bomb uh, a little bit but i mean i was such a tackle junkie i've mm. i've got stuff from everybody and i i mean i threw everything like to the point where i think it hurt my fishing um you know, having every single brand of creature bait, every single color, and I mean, just you—it's kind of like like we were talking about. You can only cover so much water in a day. You can only throw up so many baits. I mean, it, yeah, it's um. So yeah, I I that was the other one that I I liked a lot. And I'm trying to think. I feel like there was another one I played around with a little bit. Th those were the two primary ones. Um, but then when that when I saw that swim jig come out. Um, I got really excited and I, I um, over the last year or so um, I'd picked up some other stuff and played with it. The um, I went up to, to fish a Northern lakes, you know, something basically different from anything I've fished before uh, Lake St. Clair for a KBF tournament. And I picked up those missile, uh, they call them the bomb shot. It's their bomb drop shots. Shot. Yeah. Their drop shot bait. And Oh my gosh, I'd, I'd never seen, you know, smallmouth kind of built like that. And that was pretty much, you know, I, I kind of stupidly went in some canals and tried to chase some largemouth the first day and got smoked. So I, the second day of the tournament, I went in and, uh, and you know, did what I should have been doing and chased the smallmouths. But that bait, uh, I mean, every fish I caught in that tournament was on that bait. And I sort of, I mean, I started looking at some of the other baits and uh, I really liked just about everything that they, that they made. Um, so I, I started playing around more with the, the different baits. Like they've got some, uh, another creature bait, the little baby destroyer, some of those downsized baits, the baby D bomb, that stuff works really well in tidal water. I mean, it works, it works everywhere, but, um, I was fishing primarily Potomac. I like to flip the grass and those baits were just really good in that stuff. So I, I, I was starting to lean kind of heavily on missile stuff. And I, I guess I'd, I'd have to. I met a buddy at a tournament. Where were we? I think it was Kentucky Lake in 2021. And he was just getting into bass fishing. He'd done some saltwater fishing before, but he was 
he was kind of getting the bug for bass fishing and he just, he had a couple spinning rods and that was what he took with him and a couple of baits. And that was what he fished. And I, you know, looking back at, at my kayak and all the gear, all the extra weight I had in there, eight, nine rods I'm taking with me. And I'm just like, man, this guy, you know, I, I, I kind of, it, it made me appreciate sort of that simplicity. And I don't know that I'll, I'll never get to that point where I'm taking, you know, one or two rods. Um, but it, it kind Real of, nice. it's like, it's like, I got to, I've got to sort of trim this down somehow and, and figure out a way to take less stuff and have, I think it's a mental clutter too. Like mm -hmm. there's only so many baits you can throw in a day. And I would get so focused, I think on the bait sometimes and, oh, I got to have this specific color. Or I got to have, you know, this specific action or, you know, I'd go through a whole bunch of different colors and you'd never really fish anything long enough and you wouldn't figure out, I wouldn't figure out what was going on. I'd just be cycling through a bunch of baits. And I, it, um, I think I tried to simplify stuff and I, I kind of reached out to John and, uh, you know, I, I couldn't believe he actually, you know, returned my, my messages and, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we met and kind of chatted a little bit and he sort of gave me an opportunity to, to do some stuff with the blog, kind of talk about my tournaments this coming season. And, um, it just kind of grew from there. Uh, but I've, I've, I, I think I've really benefited from slimming down the amount of stuff that I take. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great baits out there. You can catch fish on a lot of stuff, but I think having confidence in what you're throwing is important. And if you can limit it to a handful of colors um, and, you know, you can do a lot, like some of these, these baits I've found, I can do a lot of different things with them. I can take one bait, um, like a say a D bomb, and I can use it as a, a a flipping bait. And then after it gets all tore up, you can kind of cut it up a little bit and start using it as a jig trailer. Um, you can use it as a chatterbait trailer. There's there's a bunch of sort of things I can eliminate that I don't have to take if I can, you know, with certain stuff that'll that'll do double duty. So it's, well, I, I I think that yeah no you're, you're nailing the simplicity. I think as a company missile baits um is a, a kind of a no frills kind of bait company they're i mean not knocking i i think where they shine at is they see something that is lacking kind of in the market and then they put out a product instead of doing like like they could easily do a a ton of other products right but they're already done so they just don't do it instead they add a unique spin on uh, a lot of products that are out there again like the the mini stuff the the, the ned uh the ned bait they have what is that the the ned bomb? ned bomb it's pretty much the only ned bait i throw at all i i think that is such a superior ned bait that quiver worm is insane for nico like rigging yeah it's like you know what i mean like they, they do a good a really good job of like narrowing down their products to like they don't have to have 9 million soft plastics. Instead, they have a, a handful of really unique fish-catching products, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, th I think I've heard, you know, John say it almost, you know, verbatim the way that you did. It's they're, they're not knocking off, you know, you, you don't see knockoff baits that are copying somebody else. It's all kind of a little bit different twist. They've, I don't think that worms in production anymore, but they've got a, 
uh, tomahawk worm, you might still be able to find in tackle shop somewhere. And even that was uh, was different. It was I've your. Got a, I've got a couple over here still. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, no, they're, they're, yeah, those were awesome. Yes, it was like a twin-tailed uh, grub, kind of, but on like a full worm. Oh yeah, and it. Yeah. I mean, nobody else has anything that looks like that. And I've, you know, when I can find them, I, mean, I, I get those. I, I, uh, I got. I know they're out of production, so when I can find yeah. them, I'll, I've, I've got a stash. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just a it's a neat company. Uh, I like the people. You know, I've had a chance to meet John and a handful of the other guys over there, and it's just it's just really cool people. Um, it helps that they're local. Um, that I'm I'm only uh, I don't know 15 20 minutes away from their headquarters. Mm-hmm. So it's um, you know I used to drive by that that Turner Road a lot and see that sign. That's ah, the missile guys over there. But yeah, they're they're. Um, I've I've relied very very heavily on their stuff this year. Pretty much every tournament where I did well, um, I was if if I wasn't using missile exclusively, I was they were they were catching me a couple of key fish. That um, one thing that might surprise people, and I, I know John's thrown this. I think Derek Hudnall um, did real well in a Florida Bass Master tournament on that. Uh, they call it the forty eight. It's that little, it's basically a, a wacky style worm or a straight tail worm. And that thing has, uh, it, it basically has replaced the Senko for me. I literally don't even take the Senkos. I use that. Um, it's a very similar shimmy and, you know, Senkos will get torn up. There's little stuff you can do with those little collars to not tear up your Senkos. But just the, the, the type of plastic that's used is different in that 48 and you I find I don't tear up nearly as many of them and I'll, I'll kind of do double duty with those things too. I'll um, like last fall. I, I remember having a really good day uh, on the Potomac, just fishing short shallows, clear water. And you could see fish crews and you throw ahead of them. And I'd throw with that little 48 wacky rig. I tested different colors. It didn't matter what they were eating. It, it, it just, it didn't matter that day. I mm-hmm. caught them on green pumpkin. I caught them on the, you know, June bug, the the clear, uh, like it, it just didn't matter what you threw, but something about that bait and the shimmy just just works. But you can take that same bait after you tear up the middle a little bit, and you can flip it and put a, a two watt EWG hook on there, and basically throw it weightless still, uh, but you've got a a weedless bait, and you can throw that in a little bit nastier stuff where you you're gonna get hung up. You know, you can throw it in brush. And uh, that bait, my, um, well, the, the, the tournament that I won on Winnipesaukee, I caught almost every single fish on that Missile 48 with that two-watt hook, weightless, eight-pound line, just skipping it under docks. And um, it's, uh, I've, I've used that bait a bunch of tournaments. It's, it's bailed me out on some tough days, uh, but that's, if I could only have one bait um, and somebody said, you got to go catch fish in this tournament, I'd. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna burn down the bank with that thing, but it's it'll catch what's there. It's uh, that's one of my favorites. And then you mentioned that quiver earlier too. I, yeah, that quiver is uh, a lot of people do like you said on Nico. I like to Texas rig that thing. Just put a lightweight on that, and those fish get used to seeing the creature bait, and you you slip that kind of that sneaky <laughs> sneaky little straight tail worm in there, and just that that tail has just a with that spade on it, it just has a nice little, little flutter on it when you twitch it. 
and that that thing's real good around the spawn. Um, I've I've caught some nice fish this year on that too. Yeah, I uh, I I didn't throw a Texic rig. I I did it Nico, but uh, it was during the spawn when I first found out about it. It was a couple of years ago, right when it released. And dude, I I mopped them up, mopped them up. It was like low tide, bad conditions, and I still put work in with that quiver worm. Huge believer in that. And then the Ned Bomb, which is basically almost the same thing, just, you know, mm -hmm. a shortened body on it. And, uh, again, there, there's a lot of uh, Ned Rig baits. And I'm not even a big Ned Rig fisherman anymore. I, I think there's a lot of them. I think that missile one people need to look at. I don't think they do. And maybe that's better for tournament guys. But as, like, a general fisherman, you should check that out because it gives such a different look and kind of a different uh just a whole different thing to the Ned game as people keep seeing these TRDs, they sit at the bottom. That's it. This is a way you can almost like actively fish a Ned, which is a whole, you know, instead of just doing the sit on the bottom and dragging it, doing what Ned said about like popping it, kind of swimming it through it. Mm -hmm. It excels at that. It's such a good bait. I actually saw John saying that's one of his favorite ways to fish it. There's a, anybody who's not subscribed to Bass University, there's uh, there's a lot of good info out there on that uh, mm -hmm. on that I don't know if you call it a network I don't know what you call it but but that that is a uh, a great place for information and yeah that was I don't remember if it was his top way or his second but one of his favorite ways is just to kind of swim it and and um, it's different than a lot of guys are just dragging it on the bottom it's a different look and that that thing um, I'll be honest it's not my favorite way to fish. But if I got a finesse fish, it's a tough one. <laughs> yep. You'll get five. What on the tournament side, these tournaments that you fished this past year, did you have practice days, one or two, or were you showing up, you know, Friday afternoon and going and being able to just get out in the water and check some stuff? What what did your your practice look like leading into these tournaments you did well on? Um, they're they're not all I guess identical, but for me I guess I kind of figured out. Uh, I feel like I've been sort of refining. I feel like each, each tournament I'm, you know, you, you might pick up on something you do a little different next time in practice. Hey, maybe I stuck too many this time, or maybe I should have spent less time on the ramp. So it's I can't say that I do the exact same thing at every tournament. Uh, in terms of practice, but the the sort of one constant is I like about three days. Um, mm. I know there's guys that get there for more than that, and I know it, depending on the trail, there's certain ones don't have an off limits. So I've I ran into a guy at Lake Fork, I think it was uh, a year ago or so, and he'd been down there for a month practicing for a tournament. Right, hey. I'm I'm not doing that. I'm, yeah. For me, three days is enough to kind of – it's enough for me to kind of drive, uh, mm -hmm. hit a couple different ramps, kind of see the water, get out there, figure out some ways to catch them. Um, and I, for me, a lot of times practice is not a whole lot of fun. Um, not sticking fish is is not fun. Like even if you're around them and you're on them, it can mess – for me, it can mess with my head. And I'm thinking I'm, I'm not on them because I haven't hooked and landed any. It's like I've – I've seen a bunch of them. I've, I've shaken them off, but mm -hmm. it, it kind of, it's for me, it's, it's not a lot of fun 
um, for the ones where I'm, especially if it's like a bed fishing deal and I'm seeing them and I'm intentionally laying off of them, it's it's not a whole lot of fun. That's a whole lot of self control. I'm going to tell you what, like betting, that's a whole lot of, I mean, I'm going to, thank God I don't tournament fish because I'm just going to put the the hammer to them every time. And I'll be like what Paul was talking about. Those dudes that put up huge numbers in practice, and then uh, I don't got nothing for the tournament. <laughs> oh yeah, it's easy to do. I mean, I, I remember, I think it was, uh, I think it was Fork again. I found a big fish on a bed, uh, big female, and caught it to bite. And when you see a, I mean, I, I didn't catch it, so I don't know how big it was, um, but I'm guessing it was seven, eight pound range. Mm. And when you feel that line, you're watching that fish swim off with it, and you can't, I mean. It nope, it, nope. It takes some, self, some self-control. I Better mean, self-control because I would have cracked her. I would have just yeah. set into it. I mean, you don't get very many chances in a fish like that. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I know. Um, it, yeah, it's up, so you start so, some of those terms, you start to feel like you're you're kind of, I don't know, like it's almost disrespectful to, to not catch. <laughs> but I've, you know. This is bad luck not to set the hook on this one. So I'm going to go ahead and just do it. I, uh, Uh, and I I know for the, for that particular tournament, I ran into a guy during the event who I think was doing the same thing as me, saw the fish cast to it and accidentally hooked it and uh, broke it off in practice. And uh, I, I had checked on it pretty late in practice. So that, that was where I started. I sat there for like two hours waiting for the sun to get up so I could see where it was to cast at it. it <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing with I, bed fishing, though, is that fish, that fish could be there for the two or three days of practice. And then, it, look, it don't take – those big females, it doesn't take them long to get up there and do what they need to do and get gone. Mm-hmm. They ain't up there that long. The males will be up there. But those females get up there, they do the business, they get the hell out. Um, oh, that's exactly it's, it's right. That survival thing. So sometimes maybe you just need to crack that eight pounder. So you caught eight pounder, knowing that the chances of it being there two days from now, it, it ain't gonna be there. So I'm gonna catch eight pounder and put it on the scale, and I'm gonna have some good content. All right, on the socials. Tip number three: so you catch that eight pounder, <laughs> right? And then what you do is you you keep her no. oh you keep her basket <laughs> no 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 you keep her and then what you do is you put uh the jig uh the missile jigs jig in her mouth and you throw that whole thing out and then you you, you reel it back in and uh now you got an eight pounder for the tournament uh, alex is going to be the worst at this look your your reputation is screwed if you start fishing tournaments next year already people are going to think you're out there cheating you're fucked they're gonna watch this and I have the protest yeah. <laughs> Yes. They've already got it written down. If this guy's fishing in the New Jersey kayak, we're he's getting where any fish he catches, we're we're gonna uh, they're gonna find me. Up. I'm gonna be in the John boat with a bucket full of minnows <laughs> and, and a live net. well full of dead fish <laughs> that I keep casting out and reeling with back the ki- in. with the kayak with the dragging the kayak behind the John boat to be yep. able to get out and go get the it'll be like a shitty Walmart sun dolphin too. Like a really like no no, that's what I oh, always man. kayak fish with. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Um those fish not being there sometimes this fast forward to this spring i think it was march we were down on harris chain right after the 
I think it was a month after the elites had beat it up. And then I think we were there basically our last day of practice. I think our last day of practice was the last day of the FLW or, or tackle or whatever it was called uh, their pro level event. And uh, I found a, a canal that um, I think I could have had the biggest stringer I've ever caught. I've never had a limit over 30. Um, I've had some, you know, twenties, you know, mid twenties, but I've never, I've never cracked five that weighed 30 and the fish were in there for that. I shook off two giants and then found one late in the day and kind of, you know, the gears start turning and I'm thinking, well, what if, you know, what I've, I've looked at fish and kind of big item before where, Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that's a giant. It's, you think it's a five or six and it's a three and I've had it go the other way too. So I figured, well, shoot, let me just, maybe I'll put a hook on and, and catch this one just to, just to see. And sure enough, I, I stuck, you know, one of the other fish that just the way it was acting, I didn't think it was going to be up there for much longer. And uh, sure enough, it was 20, 23 something and seven pounds. And I'm thinking, shoot, I got those other two fish. I know I could catch that are, that are, uh, oh. that are giants. And I, uh, that was the first day of practice. So I left the area, went and did something else the second day, came back the third day and goes down. Some of the males were there and there were a couple of decent ones. Uh, but those, those big females. And I was very glad that I stuck that fish. I would have been mm-hmm. very, very angry if I had you know, a chance. At, <laughs> you know, if I'd have known they weren't going to be there, shoot, I'd have had two other ones that were, yeah. I mean, I know they were over five and they were right. probably in that six to seven pound range, like the one I stuck, but. Well, look, if you want to catch a 30 bag, starting right now, we've had over the last month here at Jordan, Jordan and Harris, we've had numerous bags in that 27 to 29 pound range. And they are going to be people catching 30 pound bags from here until pre-spawn in these areas right now. I uh, fished a bass boat, little bass boat tournament this past weekend. The winner only had 22 pounds on Jordan. And it was a tough day. It was a tough day, only 22. And That's I mean, a good day most places. I know. So these lakes right now, this is um, last year, guys were catching 35, 38 pound bags. I think they started in January, February, um, kind of into March. In these lakes here so if you want to come down here i can't guarantee you that shit now i can't guarantee you but i can guarantee you we get in the areas that these fish are um but a lot of those big bags are coming off of live scope fishing with a rigs and jerk baits and stuff yeah. like that but i was, I was about to say i, I got a yeah. feeling i know how they're doing it yeah they are but i mean you still got some guys that are going out there putting up 25 plus those 25 pound bags just throwing jigs in in good areas and they ain't scoping those fish. So if you want to get down here, if you get down this area for a couple days, you let me know. and We'll try to get you on. We'll at least go to the areas that we could potentially do. Justin, heck yeah. here's another tip for you. So if Paul <laughs> invites you down and he's going to guarantee you fish. Um, no, I, I didn't say I was guarantee all areas. <laughs> I guarantee you will be where they are. Right. He, <laughs> he catches catfish and um, he catches the ire of TikTok when he talks about self-checkout. That's the only thing he can check. Like, that's the only thing he can catch. 
Is it a uh, is it a thirty pound cat? Because I have had a thirty pound catfish stringer. No, no, he only well, catches shit. like Bo, a pound and a half catfish. He doesn't even catch big ones. But we go to Bugs Island and catch a thirty pound catfish. I mean, yeah. you don't have to have a bag. It's just one single cat. But now, uh, no, these these lakes right now they're small. So the MLF put them on the the map here the last four years. But they're small lakes. Jordan's Jordan's small. Uh, Falls is small compared to the Texas lakes and compared to, you know, Bugs Island. And then you get down to Norman. Like our lakes around here, they're small. Harris is only really about 5,000 fishable acres. Mm-hmm. So they're small lakes. Uh, they get a lot of pressure on them. But, man, right now, Jordan especially. Jordan's probably one of the top five lakes in the country right now. I mean, the, these these big bags some of these people are putting up are putting them up in, during tournaments. They're not – it's not them just out fun fishing. They're putting these up in, in tournaments weighing fish like that. So they're, they're here. Just That's if you get down this area, you let me know. Come on down here and we'll we'll do our best. I can't guarantee that, but I you look, I've caught some 7-8 pounders around here uh, in, in, this, in this late winter, late winter time period. I've, I've been around them. I've hooked a few of them. Gotcha. Hey, man, that sounds fun. Uh, mm-hmm. That that 30, you, you start putting very many bags over 30 in a tournament, that starts to sound like, you know, the Rayburn and Toledo Bend kind of numbers. That's, mm-hmm. that's uh, live minnows. You'll get <laughs> it every time. I, those those uh, articles I was, I was talking about reading years ago, I still remember that great big old cork and a, like, I don't know, 12, 13 inch shiner. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, that's not cheating. That's just called catching. Yeah. Only catching if it's illegal. Yeah. A lot of those guys in that, you know, 10 pound or trophy, whatever they call that. That you, you look at a lot of them, and a lot of those things get caught on those live shiners. Yes. Well, hey, hey, but we've got the some of the biggest, I know a, a couple of the crappy anglers down here that, that fish Sharon Harris a lot in the winter and they're live scoping them, but they drop, they're not, they'll be crappy fishing, but they drop a crappy jig on the suspended bass kind of in the middle of nowhere. And the, and the couple crappy anglers that I know this past year caught a handful of seven to nine pounders out there with a crappy jig they they wasn't live bait you know wasn't bass lures and then they they kept them on the live scope no 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 they (laughs) throw them back but but um but i mean they're out there with a crappy jig you see them on the live scope they drop it down on and it's suspended just sitting there suspended you know in 30 foot of water they're suspended in 25 and boom there they go they they have it on their youtube channels but they're they're here you're not far away. Really all I'm saying is if you get down this area, come down here, the, all I can guarantee you is we'll go fishing. <laughs> Everything outside of that, we'll, we we have to figure out that day. Shoot, I, I don't know if I'd even believe you about the crappy jigs if I hadn't seen something like that. I swear the, the tiniest, it had to be like a 16th ounce jig mm-hmm. head. I was fishing with my little brother. I'm using the bass tackle and he's my little <laughs> ultralight rod throwing uh-huh. for these uh, – Man, it was, I don't even know how he's casting that thing. And sure enough, he go to five. And that, I don't even know how that little tiny hook stayed pinned. I mean, it just, yeah. it. Uh, Bo, yeah. But we got a, a, a bass, a kayak bass fishing buddy of mine. 
Um, so I'm I'm 15 minutes from Harris, so I reference that lake a lot. I fish it a lot. He fishes it a lot. He was out there crappy fishing. He doesn't have live scope. He was crappy fishing on some brush piles. And these are brush piles where we always bass fish. They're always there. And he's crappy fishing. And like two weeks in a row, he catches a five and six pounder on a crappy jig. I'm like, dude, what is that? What is that telling you? And he's like, you know, he, he didn't say anything. I was like, that's telling me we need to downsize. And he's like, well, no, we need to upsize. I'm like, dude, you just caught a five and six pounder on a crappy jig. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he was out there sure enough, crappy fishing and there they are. Just a nice little easy morsel for them. Just a. Yeah. Don't even have to move. No. Mm -hmm. Food's food to a fish, man. They are savages. All they want to do is eat and survive. That is, that's it. And then, you know, a month out of the year, they want to make babies. That's it. Yeah. It's, uh, and it, I haven't seen that that often where you can catch, you know, the, the giants like that. Man, that, that's <laughs> neat. It's, uh, it kind of, like you said, it does make you wonder. Maybe, maybe I ought to throw that little, uh, med bomb more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come down to Harris and I'm going to throw a head bomb. <laughs> come on, baby. Hey, teach me something because when they schooled up, I do fine catching them when they schooled up. And Harris is a funny lake. Now, we get these mega schools, hundreds of bass. Uh, it's Paul, I've been summertime. Paul, I've been giving out good advice all episode. Maybe you should just write those down. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. This, the best advice ever for somebody looking to fucking go spend time in jail. <laughs> Ruin your <laughs> reputation. <laughs> You're never right. going to fish a tournament ever. All right, Justin. Uh, we're about ready to hit uh, the part of our show that is uh, either elevated our guests to uh, great heights. Please or, tell uh, me you don't have a new name for this segment tonight. We, we're completely we, we, we ruined it. We ruined it two weeks ago. Thank God you weren't here for Greg's episode last week. We didn't have to try to ruin again with some stupid ass name. Nope, so we are going. We're going into the shotgun round. Um, but you. before we get there, I'd like to give you an opportunity to uh, kind of shout out whoever you want at this point. Because again, uh, after these questions, um, just like my advice, uh, it, it could all lead to your career ending. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I've uh, yeah, I definitely got to thank Missile. Um, they've given me some great opportunities this year and uh man I, I don't think i'd have had anywhere near the year that i've i've had if it if it hadn't been for them and the you know the, the tools that uh that they have given me it's speaking uh, of that where where did you finish in bass and uh hobie in the aoi weren't you you were pretty high on both of those weren't you i know I was, you were in OI. yeah yeah i was okay. i was right behind drew on the bass master mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to beat a guy that wins three uh, <laughs> and finishes third and the the other one so yeah and then i ended up uh 12th on, oh, uh, on hobie which oh, uh dude, that's that's big that's big hobie. yeah, those, hobie's got the anglers of the anglers in there that's a that's a pretty damn solid finish yeah i i've yeah it, it was a blessed year and the, those guys um like you say there's there's a bunch of hammers and and i've there, there's a bunch of hammers that fish all of them but something about that, everybody with no motors and, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the field sizes that they had this year, I mean, they were pushing 200 people at a bunch of their tournaments. It, yep. uh, 
you know, that, that definitely means a lot. Um, you know, showing that I, I only fished a couple last year and, you know, I did lousy in both of them. So to, to kind of turn it around and, you know, have some good tournaments with the Hobie guys. Um, and that felt good. Hell yeah. But, uh, yeah, aside from missile, um, want to shout out, uh, vicious fishing, uh, their, their line, um, it's what I use exclusively. Their braid, fluorocarbon, and uh, and their copolymer mono. Um, it, it's it's all I've thrown. It's all I've thrown for probably ten years now. I think since about the time they came out. Um, so hey, ooh, 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 ooh. let me. What what are you throwing? Um, the copolymer. What what techniques and lures are you throwing for the copolymer? I actually throw a lot of topwater stuff on that. Um, hmm. I'm I'm probably gonna play around some next year with uh with some lighter braid on some stuff i just i see too many guys i hear too many guys that that do that but i kind of like that old school uh mm-hmm. or about 14 pound test and i like a a small uh, style plopper bait i've thrown mm. that uh i think it was greg watching him I've, I've i've used the the plopper and then i saw greg throwing in, in some of his videos with chapo yeah. and that little bitty like one the the, uh I think it's the 90 size. Yep, it's mm-hmm. the 90. Yep. I have done really well um, mm-hmm. in clear water with that ghost minnow color. And you can throw a bone in just about any water color. Um, that that bait, something about that bait, yeah, I'll, I'll put that on 14-pound test. Medium action bait caster and, um, you know, high-speed reel. And and that's mm-hmm. that's done some work for me. You do lose them occasionally. but um, Yeah, I that, throw... That, I throw the Chapo, pretty much my top waters Chapo, a little bit of buzz bait, and then a lot of spook. And I throw it all on 15 pound um, braid. I like it because I can make long, long casts with it. That's why I like mm. the braid. And I make those long casts. But I do, I love crankbait fishing. And so all of my crankbaits, anything 10 or deeper, I'm throwing on a copolymer. And really? I like that. Yeah, I like the stretch on that. Like I tried to throw it on. Uh, fluorocarbon, but I did. I didn't like it. I was biggest thing was again like I got loose breaks on there, so I like to make long casts. That the fluoro when it gets one little, you know, one little backlash in there in the wrong spot, it snaps a lot. Hmm. But I found that I could make those long casts a lot better with that copolymer. So I, I my crankbaits have all been ten to twelve pound copolymer. And I have loved it. I have not lost a lot of fish. I have no had no break all. So I've been fishing at Copolymer a lot because I also come from that old school of the the mono. <laughs> mono yeah. was everything back in. It was the only thing back in the day that or braid. Mm-hmm. But I like that Copolymer for the cranking. I've had uh, I've been super happy with it this year. I saw a lot of fish with it, but I haven't done it on top water. I still can't get away from that. You know that ten or fifteen pound uh, braid on the on the top water. But I was yeah. curious when you say copolymer, what you're fishing with, cause you, a lot of people don't like it. I mean, it, yeah. I guess it's the mono side of it that they are all uppity up about, but. And the other thing that I think you have an advantage on with that braid is you can get those hooks driven home um, oh, yeah. from a, from a long ways out. And that's, yep. you know, it, I think there's, there's pros and cons to both of them. Um, yeah. But I, I definitely want to play around some more just to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the braid, yeah, those long casts, and I'm using like a moderate, 
medium moderate action rod for that spook to be able to walk it real good, walk it slow or make the big swoops with it, stuff like that. So you, I need that line. I use a high speed, like an eight to uh, ratio reel on it. So having, having to make up for that, that bendy rod that, that braids really helped on that. But yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Didn't mean I'll, to interrupt. I'll Actually, I did mean to interrupt, but it was for a good reason. No, no, no. I, I like your, uh, your crankbait, you know, that that's got the gears turning a little bit because I've I've fished some crankbaits, some shallow crankbaits on on mono before, and I think that mm. was before braid or before uh, fluoro came out, yeah. and I never really have gone back and played around with it much. But I've heard of a few guys still doing that. So I've, yeah, most I of mine's deep. The ten 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 or deeper is what I'm fishing on that. The I love the spro the spro crankbaits are what I what I throw a lot of, and then. Uh, the shallower stuff, I still use fluoro because I'll swap that off between like a, a jackhammer or some kind of bladed jig or spinner bait gotcha. and then my square bills. So I like the fluoro for that. But any of that deep cranking stuff, deeper cranking, 10 foot deeper, I'm always using that copolymer now. Okay. All right. Like well, it. so we're at the shotgun around. Here's how it works, Justin. We want your right off the head, your answer right away. Mm. We're going to give you a series of questions. We want to know your answer right away. Um, They're loaded. Say, They're oh, loaded. definitely loaded. Um, we can talk about them after you answer. But and and, and, and I would say this is a safe space. Nobody will judge you. <laughs> uh, that would be a lie. We yeah. can judge you on every single one of these. Not just us, but the, all the brewskis, all the Bass and Brew fans. Um, specifically... Tori, the historian, will make sure that nobody will forget if you uh, answer in a dumb way. So, okay, um, yeah, no this is where we're at. You ready? Yeah, far away. All right, wacky or Texas? Texas. Okay. Mm. Crocs or flops? Flops. Ugh. 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 Wrong answer. Um, I don't like Ugh. either. Is that an answer? <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean I mean, yeah, well, no, it is now. Yes, so bare, barefoot. There you go. Yeah, I wear Crocs, so I wear Crocs, no socks year round. Don't matter how cold, how hot. Crocs, no socks year round. But when I get in a kayak, I take them bitches off. The only reason I wear them is to put the kayak in the water and take it out, so I don't step on no stupid ass hook. Because I don't do well with needles, and if I have to go get a tetanus shot. I, there's a good chance that I'm going to get light-handed. I'm not going to pass out, but I'm going to like I'm going to scare the nurses. So I, I use it so I don't step on nothing sharp loading and unloading kayak. Yeah, but I barefoot like, uh, is the way. What I wear a lot is these. They they call them barefoot style shoes. It's basically like a the the these particular ones are like a water shoe, but they're they got enough protection on the bottom of them. You're not like you say you're not going to get a hook or yeah. glass or something in your foot, but it. Your feet can spread out, and it it's real lightweight. And I, oh, yeah, that works. At least in the summer months, that's that's what I'm wearing. That or barefoot. There we um, go. Slow jams or hype music. I like the slow jams most of the time. All right, yeah. all right. Well, uh, hype, some, if, it's, some... if it's tournament time, you know, going to the lake, maybe the hype music. But most of the time, uh, slow jams, know, huh? Yeah. Some some like nineties R and B slow jams. Are we talking some seventies? You know, I kind of lean towards some of that seventies stuff. Oh, I sure. uh, I like Hell that old yeah. stuff. All like right. that. Uh, what do they? Call, I think they call the genre yacht rock. 
but it's just like real smooth. It, hey man, it's relaxing. <laughs> um, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. Nah. I mean, I'll eat it, but there's so many other things you can do with pizza. Look, I ain't ordering it, but if it's there to eat, I'm going to eat the shit out of it. <laughs> yep. Speaking of eating, um, have you ever eaten beaver? No. No? Oh, you from Virginia. <laughs> yeah, but, man. I don't know. I've, I've seen enough of them. I've been close to a bunch of them, but. Look, yeah, all you I... do is whack one of them across the head with the paddle, take it home, <laughs> skin it out, put it on your smoker just like you would a pig or any a Boston butt, and you pull it, and it's delicious. You eat over some rice, really? some barbecue sauce. Oh, my God, yeah, it's delicious. A little dark meat, a little, little fatty. I, know, I never delicious. heard that that's supposed to be good. I, oh thought just, I thought they it's just. I thought they just. It's not. Place. It's just uh, Paul saying that. No, it's <laughs> Paul's not. got Alex, awful uh, advice too. Don't worry. Alex, Alex doesn't know. He doesn't even like liver mush. I don't Get know that I've had that either. Liver worst. <laughs> disgusting. But uh, speaking again, eating. Uh, do you eat largemouth? I have before. I typically don't. Typically, okay. it's if I if I stick one in it, you know, you hit it in the artery and it's going to die anyway. Yeah. No, I, it's been a while, but uh, but yeah, I've, <laughs> I've eaten them. Like, but typically, I listen. Those ones you hit in the artery, we talked about it, right? You keep those <laughs> ones, you put it back on the hook, and you get <laughs> that thing back out. You know, there's a reason they make you. Uh, they're starting to make you video videotape so you can't do that. Listen, Quick it's not story. my fault Quick I caught story. a dead bass. That's not my fault. It was <laughs> dead when I caught it. In the mouth, the dead bass. Hey, quick story. I had a local tournament where I hooked a, a big one, a big one. I got it at 18 foot of water, and I got it up. I thought it was a catfish the whole time. I thought it was a catfish. Digging, digging, digging. It was on a, a, a blade bait. Hmm. Got it up. I'm like, oh, shit, it's, it's a bass, you know. I get it, get it. This, it was an old-ass sow. She was beat up, scarred to hell. Her left eye was all uh, cloudy. And so, you know, when you lay them on the on the board, the left eye is looking up. And she's all beat up and shit. I'm like, damn, I have to, this is, this is potentially big fish for this tournament. And it ended up being big fish. I'm like, I have to get a picture of this fish swimming off. And so the wind's blowing. It's about eight mile per hour south wind on Sharon Harris, and that lake sets up north to south. And so I'm in my I'm in my kayak. Late, I ended up laying down, contorted, trying to film and get this fish to go for like twelve minutes. And, and every time I'd let her go, she'd go to turn. I'd grab her in the mouth again, doing it. And, <laughs> I'm like 400 yards away from where I wanted to be, where I caught this fish and where I wanted to fish before she finally swims off. And I'm laid up in the kayak, just floating that nobody came to check up. I could have had a fucking heart attack and been dead in that kayak and nobody would have known. But it's an empty kayak. Yeah. But well, it wasn't empty. I mean, I looked like fucking Shamu laying in the bottom of a PA 14. But no, she had a bum left eye. And it was cloudy. I was like, man, somebody could challenge this fish, and I gotta have it swimming off. So I did the dude, but I also film all of my fish when I catch them and let them go because I name them to make social media content. So hey, that's <laughs> anyway, smart, that's smart. It is. You got it. Um, hey, Alex, hour... listen, one I can tell. No, nope, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not already. 
Oh my god, you're missing one. You're getting in too a far three down. hour session. Oh lord. Would you like five two pounders or one seven? I gotta take a seven. Yes, that's the right move. Unless it's a tournament. Right, right. <laughs> it's a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> that's so we get the tournament guys and they always want to say, Well, you know, I'm like, no, no, you gotta answer it. And they usually go the the one seven and then obviously in a in you know in the tournament setting, then five fish are key. In the spirit of unless uh, it's day two and you're so far behind, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then you take the seven. Yes, yeah. I want that big fish. Give me that set six to seven hundred dollars. I can pay for my groceries. You're gonna and, miss uh, this one, Alex. So I better answer. Ahead. I better ask it. Alex is gonna miss us. I'm gonna ask it. You gonna spend more on a rod or a reel? I think I think the ones I have are the same or close to it. But if you had to go buy one tomorrow, unlimited budget, and you got to go buy a rod or reel tomorrow. Oh, real. Real. I think real. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I've caught right. some I've caught a lot of bass on some some cheapo, cheapo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, that smooth reel, uh, you know, the, the reel that doesn't grind yeah. the whole way is casting know. efficiency yeah. casting with a reel mm-hmm. makes a huge difference, you know, especially when you're throwing a lot. In honor yep. of a uh, friend of the show, uh, is Alex Rudd <laughs> overrated or underrated? I'll just say under. I, yeah. I've seen some of his stuff. I, I haven't watched a ton of it. It's I've watched right. a ton of Greg's stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'll say underrated. I know he's fished. Um, I saw him at was it the spring. I think I saw him at a Hobie event. He was, mm-hmm. yeah. Couldn't, so, couldn't so tell you how well he did, but to be clear, Justin said underrated for Alex. Uh, Greg Blanchard, though, overrated. And that's uh, <laughs> cement that in. That's, that's what right. Justin said. <laughs> that's low. I'm just joking. Just joking. <laughs> All right, I think that. Uh, yep. So we're we're going to the most important question. This is the one that's really going to drive it home. Uh, every fisherman loves a nice sandwich. Sandwich. What are your top three sandwich proteins? I like Philly cheesesteak. Mm. Like a club sandwich. Okay. Mm. It's like, is a burger count as a? Hell as a, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you didn't say cheese sandwich and you did not say spinach sandwich. Yeah. I, yeah. Do people normally say those? Uh, Some no, people but we've did. had both of those <laughs> answers. Both of no. those have been answered. Yes. Spinach. <laughs> As a you might not get second like, Bailey. You, you might know who said spinach. Our good fan Bailey Eidbrit. No, he didn't. Yes, yes, he did. He said fucking spinach is the first answer out of his yes. mouth was spinach, and we're like, oh wait, hold up. Spinach does have protein in it, but it ain't a protein. It's not an amino acid. Yeah, I. I mean, like I said, I'll, it's kind of like the pineapple. Thing. I'll eat it, but man. <laughs> Spinach is a topping for it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it you ain't it, it's a topping. Yeah. All right, Justin. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We we uh really appreciate it. Um, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. I think this was an awesome conversation. I yeah. again, I, I want to thank you tons for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. We'll we'll have to do it again. Oh, oh absolutely. Sure. Hey, where can people find you on the socials? Um, I'm on Instagram. 
uh, and Facebook. It's just my name. Uh, what is it on Instagram? It's my name, it's Justin underscore underscore Largen. And at some point, I'll I'll put some YouTube stuff up one of these days. Maybe. He's a busy man. Yeah. Uh, All right. We'll hang out for a minute. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, Before we go, though, um, we got to make sure that everybody goes. (laughs) 